Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Many, many miles east of nowhere lies the amazing land of Oz, a magnificent empire created in the mind of a man who wrote a great book about it. Like wildfire in the wheat field, the fabulous tale of the Wizard of Oz spread from town to city to nation to the entire world. Although the Wizard of Oz has captivated the children of four generations and fired the imaginations of those youthful adults who have never grown old, although 10 million copies of the book have reached eager hands and eager hearts, no one has dared the towering task of giving life and reality to the land of Oz and its people. Every delightful character of L. Frank Baum's classic is now reborn. Every glorious adventure has been recaptured and painted with a rainbow. The celebration in Munchkinland, the flying monkeys, the rescue of Dorothy, the castle of the witch, the palace of Oz, and Dorothy's strange journey to the Emerald City to find the wonderful Wizard of Oz himself. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is the wizard of wins, if ever a wiz there was. If ever, oh, ever a wiz there was, the wizard of Oz is one because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, it's a special one. It's a milestone. We've hit episode number 300. For the 100th episode, we did our all-time favorite movies. For the 200th episode, I did my all-time favorite movie, which was Airplane. And for the 300th episode, we're going to cover what many feel is the all-time greatest movie, and that is The Wizard of Oz from 1939. Their studio was MGM. The release date was August 25th, 1939. The running time, 101 minutes, and it was in black and white, and of course, color. Leonard Maltin from his classic movie guide, no surprise, four out of four stars. His synopsis is a genuine American classic based on L. Frank Baum's story of a Kansas girl who goes over the rainbow to a land of colorful characters and spirited adventure. A perfect cast and the perfect fantasy with an unforgettable score. Just as good as the 50th time as it is the first time. Even Rotten Tomatoes is never perfect. It gives it 99% fresh from 145 reviews. 
Their critics' consensus is an absolute masterpiece whose groundbreaking visuals and deft storytelling are still every bit as resonant. The Wizard of Oz is a must-see film for the young and old. So doing an episode about no-brainer classic movies is always kind of a difficult uh, conundrum for me because what can I possibly add as insight to a movie that is that everyone has seen? And this is the case with The Wizard of Oz. And if you don't count the Blues Brothers, The Wizard of Oz is probably my favorite musical. And unlike other episodes, there are certain films I'm not going to give the plot recaps for because it's simply not necessary. However, I have tons of facts about the making of the film and many interviews with many of my regular guests about their thoughts about the film. But we'll get to that later. So years back, the wonderful Stanford Theater in Palo Alto, California, screened the film during the Christmas holiday. Now, I had seen the movie tons of times, but this particular experience was really enjoyable. You know, parents brought their small children, and they were dressed up like their favorite characters, mostly Dorothy. And these kids got to experience the movie on the big screen for the first time. It was pretty cool hearing people applaud when the beloved characters appeared on screen. And equally hilarious when everyone hissed when the Wicked Witch made her appearance. And these kinds of reactions prove why The Wizard of Oz is the epitome of a timeless classic. Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So it was based on a book written by L. Frank Baum, and Baum's creation of the iconic story was not an overnight success for him. He had many failures before Oz was published in 1900. He was an editor of a newspaper that went under. He wrote plays that bombed. He even ran the family axle grease business, until that failed after someone embezzled money from the company. So while he didn't succeed in business, he had a terrific imagination and would often create tales for his four children and their friends. And the kids were like his test audiences. The stories that brought delight to their faces were the keepers. He partnered with illustrator W.W. Denslow and then began to publish his stories. In many ways, The Wizard of Oz was like the first American fairy tale. After the huge success of the original Oz book, Baum wrote many sequels, 14 in total. Oz was a cultural phenomenon, even bigger than Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings if you want to compare it to the modern times. The 1939 version of the film was not the first on screen. There were multiple attempts to adapt the story to film, all which failed. There were silent versions in 1910 and 1914. The latter was Baum's attempt at film. In 1925, the studios tried again, but to no avail. The main issue with these films is they didn't stay true to what the original story was. One of the main people that brought the definitive version to life was Arthur Freed. He was a young songwriter under contract to MGM. And though he loved writing music, he also had the desire to produce films and had become an important player at MGM and considered Louis B. Mayer's go-to person. It was Freed who went to Mayer and said that he wanted to produce The Wizard of Oz in 1937. And because Freed understood what worked with musical numbers along with the film industry, that's exactly why the 1939 version of The Wizard of Oz worked better than any other attempt at the film. The original story is terrific, but the music is what drives the film home. No pun intended. Mayer knew Free couldn't produce Oz on his own as his first producing attempt, which is why the established veteran director and producer Mervyn Leroy was brought in to co-produce. As it turned out, like Freed, Leroy had always wanted to make Oz as well. Before a screenplay was even written, Freed and song collaborator Roger Edens had written a number of song ideas based around the story, much of which became the legendary songs that were heard in the released film that everyone now knows. Finding a screenwriter was an incredibly arduous process, and supposedly the producers went through almost 15 different writers and tons of script variations before it was finalized. Noel Langley wrote the original early script, while Florence Ryerson and Edgar Allan Wolfe brought back the original bomb story into the script. 
As I mentioned, without the songs, Oz wouldn't have been the classic that it is viewed as today. Being part of Freed's songwriting team was one of the most sought-after gigs in Hollywood at the time. Freed wanted composer Jerome Kern, who had many successful musicals, most recently Showboat at the time, but he was recovering from health issues and didn't want the stress of a high-profile production. Ira Gershwin was considered, but Freed wanted someone who could straddle the line between making the music accessible to old and young alike. So it ended up being the non-household names that Freed picked, Harold Arwen being the main composer and Yip Harburg as the lyricist. Harburg would come up with his own vernacular and his lyrics and they just totally worked. For example, when the cowardly lion replies to Dorothy when she says, suppose you met an elephant, and the lion says, I'd wrap him up in cellophant. It's a made-up word, but we go along with it because it just fits. And maybe because the characters are fantasy, like the Scarecrow, Lion, and Tin Man, it doesn't matter if the words are mispronounced or even made up. It's just brilliant. So you have the script and the songs, and next you have to cast everything. Of course, the character that they had to get perfect was Dorothy. Today, it seems like a no-brainer that Judy Garland was selected to play the iconic character. However, in 1938, the bigger star was Shirley Temple, and she was a top box office draw of the era. And even today, she's still considered an icon. So while Temple really wanted the role and the executives at MGM really wanted her as well, it was Arthur Freed who pushed for the 16-year-old Judy Garland. However, it took a lot of convincing to MGM because Garland wasn't a big name at the time. And she also didn't have the quote-unquote look for a huge budgeted film that usually called for someone more glamorous and larger than life to carry a film. Now, Garland had been under contract with MGM as a child actress for almost a decade prior to The Wizard of Oz. But MGM really didn't know what to do with her. They knew she had a beautiful singing voice, but she often appeared as a bundle of nervous energy on screen, as you see in many of the Andy Hardy films with Mickey Rooney. But Freed had written songs for the 1937 film called Broadway Melody of 1938, and Garland gave one of the standout singing performances in that film, and this is why Freed wanted Garland as Dorothy. But it still took convincing because MGM were steadfast in favor of having Shirley Temple as Dorothy. Freed told the executives to go watch Shirley Temple sing live on stage during one of her performances. And it was finally when the execs saw how limited her singing range was that she wouldn't be able to pull off the singing duties required for The Wizard of Oz. And again, without Arthur Freed, we wouldn't be talking about The Wizard of Oz today as a classic film. And Judy Garland really was a terrific actress because you believe she was the country girl Dorothy, while in real life, Garland was the polar opposite to the character. She had a horrible childhood with a vicious and overbearing stage mother. She had a very rough show business upbringing, and she was hardened to the rigors of being an actress in Hollywood. Plus, Garland was very self-conscious seeing all of the traditionally beautiful actresses being trotted around, while she was considered homely in the less-than-beautiful support act. And this affected Garland her whole life. For the role of the great and powerful Wizard of Oz, W.C. Fields was strongly considered for the role. And here's where I think this may have worked terrifically, as opposed to having Shirley Temple as, as Dorothy. You know, Fields was a larger-than-life persona, and he had the quickest of wits. And other actors that were considered for the role were Ed Wynn and Wallace Beery. Now, as much as I do love W.C. Fields, I admit it is hard to imagine anyone but Frank Morgan as the Wizard. And while today Morgan isn't a household name like Judy Garland, he was a well-respected character actor who appeared in many different films in the 1930s. Also, Morgan had the versatility to play a number of different roles in The Wizard of Oz, as you may have noticed, like the fortune teller and the guardian of the gate and the cabbie with the horse of a different color, and of course the soldier at the gate of the Emerald City. 
For Dorothy's traveling companions, Leroy and Freed chose veteran stage actors. Ray Bolger, who played the Scarecrow, was a star on Broadway, but he really hadn't hit it big on film at this point and was said to be too skinny and gangly to be a leading man. But it was exactly this quality that made him perfect for the Scarecrow because he was so likable and athletic in his performance. Buddy Epson, who of course everyone knows from the Beverly Hillbillies as Jed Clampett, he was also under contract at MGM at the time. And it was thought that Epson would play the Scarecrow and Ray Bolger would actually play the Tin Man. But Bolger pushed back and fought for the role of the Scarecrow because, as I mentioned, his performance style was perfectly suited for the Scarecrow. To his credit, Buddy Epson sort of bowed out gracefully and didn't really push for the role of the Scarecrow. So he was fine playing the Tin Man. And the costume designers fitted Epson with the Tin Man costume and then used aluminum dust as the face paint. Obviously, there were no regulations for toxic chemicals back then. After 10 days of having this toxic makeup applied constantly to his face, Epson's lungs were filled with this poison. Epson was then diagnosed with instant emphysema and had to spend six weeks in the hospital under an oxygen tent. So MGM had to quickly replace Epson and borrow Jack Haley from 20th Century Fox to play the Tin Man. Haley, like Bolger, was a musical comedy star on stage and made a number of films but was never a leading man. The Tin Man makeup was altered slightly to be less harsh, but even then, the paste, instead of dust, got into Haley's eye and caused a serious eye infection for him, which caused Haley to miss a few weeks of shooting. What they really should have done was gone to the Universal Horror makeup crew for help. Buddy Epson later said that he thought MGM, Mervyn Leroy specifically, never believed he was really sick from the aluminum poisoning, and that he was just playing hardball due to not being able to play the Scarecrow as initially intended. Of course, that's completely false, as Epson was indeed in a hospital for six weeks to recover. Casting the Cowardly Lion was another challenge. At first, the producers considered making the lion an animated character. But as crazy as that sounds, it wasn't the most far-reaching idea. The craziest idea was to have the MGM lion named Leo the Lion, which was a real lion, play the character. You know, that, that famous line you see at the beginning of every MGM film above the logo? And then an actor's voice would be dubbed in. <laughs> Luckily, songwriters Harold Arlen and Yip Harburg pushed for Burt Lahr to play the Cowardly Lion. They worked with Lahr on Broadway, and they knew it would be perfect for the role. Even facially sort of looked like a lion. Both Arlen and Harburg knew it would be much easier to write for Lahr than any other actor. So you have very likable characters now cast. But, as I say constantly on this podcast, without a strong villain, a film will fall flat. And there was no better villain in film history than the Wicked Witch of the West. And nobody could have played the witch better than Margaret Hamilton. So Edna May Oliver was Arthur Freed's original choice to play the Wicked Witch, which would have been the wrong move as she was too comically cantankerous to pull off the role. She wouldn't have been evil enough. Mervyn Leroy then selected Gail Sondergaard to play the role. But, as it turned out, no amount of makeup could hide Sondergaard's natural beauty. And frankly, you can't have the witch be pretty. It just wouldn't work. And to put it bluntly, Margaret Hamilton had the look for the role. Hamilton always had a sense of humor about her casting, recalling how she was offered the part. She said her agent called her, saying that MGM wanted her to be in The Wizard of Oz. And Hamilton, who loved the books, was very excited and asked, well, what part was she going to play? And her agent replied, well, the witch. And incredulously, Hamilton said, the witch? And her agent replied, yes, what else? (laughs) 
Like it or not, if you were to ask a person what a witch looks like, the vast majority would describe the look of Margaret Hamilton in The Wizard of Oz. She's simply an icon. She had a perfect sneer on her face, and what a voice. She was really just perfect for the role. So the dog who played Toto was a film veteran as well, performing in films for eight years up to that point. Its name, Terry the Terrier, and was in famous films like Fury with Spencer Tracy and The Women playing Norma Shear's dog. Possibly only Benji, Lassie, maybe Rin Tin Tin would be considered more famous than Toto as a movie dog. And if you didn't know, Toto was actually female. Ironically, Terry's first feature film was Bright Eyes with Shirley Temple. Toto was actually injured for a few days when one of the witch's guards accidentally stepped on the dog during shooting. The next challenge was how to populate the Land of Oz, specifically the Munchkins. It would have been much easier to use children as the Munchkins, but that's not how they were described as in the original story, which were adults that were tiny. So over 100 professional little performers were cast to fill out Munchkin Land. This was a huge deal for the performers who weren't used to the glamour that a big film offered. So they went on a cross-country promotional trip sponsored by MGM on bus rides to Hollywood to film. What some of the little performers really appreciated was seeing other little people on set, as many of them were often the only one of their kind in the towns they lived in. So Mervyn Leroy wanted to direct the film himself, but Louis B. Mayer didn't want Leroy to produce and direct. Norman Turag was considered because he was great with directing children, but he ended up doing The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn instead. Then Richard Thorpe was hired because MGM was concerned with the large budget of the film getting bigger and bigger, and Thorpe was a lean-budget type of director. So filming began with Thorpe. He shot the cornfields in the witch's castle, and Leroy saw the dailies and realized it just wasn't looking good with him directing. He didn't have the fantasy touch and the pacing that Oz needed to work. Remember, at this point, Buddy Epson was still the Tin Man. And when Epson was hospitalized, Leroy used the production delay as an opportunity to fire Thorpe. MGM's parent company... Lowe's tried to pull the plug on the film due to ballooning costs, but Leroy was steadfast in his desire to get the best version of the film made. Leroy then decided to hire George Kukar, who was a very successful director with MGM. He had films like Dinner at Eight, Little Women, David Copperfield, Holiday, and The Women. However, Kukar was brought in more to help steer the film in the right direction, not to be the official director, because he was already committed to another blockbuster at the time called Gone with the Wind. Kukar's influence was very important to Oz. He shaped how the characters of the Scarecrow looked, and most notably, the way Dorothy looked. Initially, Judy Garland was wearing a blonde wig and had more of a glamorous look. It was Kukar that gave Garland a more toned-down Midwest look that was necessary to the role. As a matter of fact, it was said that Garland's performance became more natural and less put on once Kukar changed the look of Dorothy. After Kukar left the film to shoot Gone with the Wind, Victor Fleming was then brought in, and he became the official and final director of Oz. Fleming was a well-respected director and considered a fixer, which was definitely needed at this stage for filming of Oz. Fleming was a high school dropout who came of age during the advent of motion pictures. He had almost every type of job in the industry from stuntman to lab technician to cinematographer. He could direct any type of genre and again was often brought into pictures that needed help if the original director wasn't working out. But even though Fleming was a master at fixing films, he really wasn't that eager to take on the directing duties of The Wizard of Oz because the film was considered a disaster at this point. However, at the time, Fleming had two little girls and he felt that this was the type of film, if pulled off, would be the perfect type of film he could show his daughters because it had beauty and decency in it along with the love of the world. And that motivated him to do the film. The other vital part of The Wizard of Oz is the costume designs and this was led by Adrian Greenberg. 
who was one of the most influential fashion designers of his era. His fashions alone were said to have been the look of the 1940s. One of the key costumes was Dorothy's dress and shoes, which went through numerous changes before they streamlined to the iconic blue and white dress. Early versions made Garland kind of look frumpy. What Greenberg was known for was not just focusing on the stars, but everyone in the cast. For example, he designed all of the Munchkin costumes, and this attention to detail is why the film is so terrific to look at even today. The Cowardly Lion costume was one of the most challenging. The suit was made out of real lion skin and then foam rubber and a complex wig for the face and the head. For the Scarecrow, Tin Man, and Lion, this was very labor-intensive for the actors. It took hours daily to get the costumes and makeup set up, and then they had to go out and perform with this uncomfortable material on their bodies. And the makeup was all done by hand, which meant everything was done very early in the morning before shooting began. Bert Lahr was incredibly uncomfortable wearing the 50-pound lion costume, and he was drenched in sweat after every take and had to be cooled down every time. Now, the frenetic energy of Bolger, Haley, and Lahr was often overwhelming to Judy Garland because they were used to being on stage and being larger than life. And Judy Garland humorously told a story about how she had to compete with them at times during filming. Now, this next clip is from the Jack Parr Show in 1962. And to me, you'll always be Dorothy. <laughs> Little Dorothy. Okay. Hey, tell me a story about how those clowns tried to crowd you out in the Wizard of Oh, Clowns. I don't dare. You're terrible. <laughs> you knew that when I came on. You know. <laughs> Everyone knows I'm terrible. Well, wait, you, you mean uh, Jack and, and Bert? Yeah, how they crowded you out. Uh, uh, well, you know, they're my friends now, but then they didn't know me. Well, they are. How old were you? I was uh, about 12. No, 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 I was older than I was 14. Mm. They tried to make me look 12 in many different ways. But they yeah. didn't quite make it. I'd know, I'd know you're 16 or more now. <laughs> I just figure that out. You've got a lovely need, you know that? You I always did have lovely need. Uh, that dress is becoming a blouse, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell about the Wizard of Oz. Well, uh, uh, we were... <laughs> <laughs> We were working, oh, I love her. I had to work with three very professional, very professional men, you know, Jack Haley and, and Bert Lahr and Ray Bolger. And they had so much makeup on, you know, then one was a tin man and one was the scarecrow and one was the cowardly lion. And they were so busy complaining about their makeups and each one was, was uh, making bets as to which makeup was the most difficult and they all gained weight all the way through the picture you know and they all pretended they just uh, but whenever we do that little dance up the yellow brick road yeah i remember that i was supposed to be with them yeah you know they crouched they'd shut me out I, they'd close in and the three of them and i would be in back of them dancing <laughs> and i was and I, I wasn't i wasn't good enough you know to say wait a minute now and so the director victor fleming was darling man he was always up on a boom would say hold it you three dirty hands let that little girl in there <laughs> of course at the time one of the most memorable things about the wizard of oz was that most of the film is in technicolor it was only the seventh or eighth film to be shot in color at that point in history and for years the wizard of oz was the standard of how a color film should look on screen it was that groundbreaking at the time, Technicolor cameras were incredibly large and heavy. They were over 400 pounds, unlike the standard black and white cameras. And this led to challenges that Fleming was not used to, as he liked to be often agile when it came to filming scenes. 
However, Fleming wasn't going to let the weight of the cameras hinder the movement of his shots, and if you watch the film, you'll realize how amazing these color shots are considering how large the cameras were, especially with the dancing scenes. And the sets and the amount of lights and power being used at the time was unprecedented. So much that the production caused brownouts around town due to them using so much energy on set. So in addition to the health issues caused by the makeup to Buddy Epson and Jack Haley, Margaret Hamilton almost suffered a near-fatal injury due to the special effect in the Munchkinland scene. The scene where she leaves Munchkinland in a ball of smoke and fire is supposed to be performed where she goes down a very precise trap door that would bring her down in an elevator-like platform, and then the fire and the smoke would go off once she was below ground. So this effect was rehearsed many times because it was very dangerous. However, during shooting, the person controlling the fire effect set it off too early, and Hamilton wasn't below the platform yet. Hamilton didn't even realize that her hat and makeup were on fire. The green makeup on her hands and face had copper in it, and it led to her getting third-degree burns on her hands and face, and Hamilton spent six weeks recuperating from the burns. And then, like director George Kukar, Victor Fleming had to leave Oz to finish Gone with the Wind. <laughs> So director King Vidor was brought in to finish Oz for the final two and a half weeks. One of Vidor's scenes included Somewhere Over the Rainbow and all of the Kansas scenes. In total, five directors were on Oz. So the first cut of the film was over two hours, so MGM knew they had to edit. And here are a few notable cuts. The Scarecrow dance to only include the song itself and nothing after. A song and dance called The Jitterbug. There was a $100,000 shot that was cut when the gang returns to Emerald City after getting the broom from the witch. In the beginning of the Kansas scenes, Jack Haley shows Judy Garland a wind machine used to ward off tornadoes, saying the machine had heart. Of course, a foreshadowing to the Tin Man later. There was a more violent and up-close version of the tornado engulfing Dorothy in the house, but it was deemed too intense as the producers knew that many children would see this film, so it was cut out before it was shown to the preview audiences. Speaking of scaring children, many of the Wicked Witch scenes were cut because they were deemed too scary for young children. There was a longer scene of Dorothy being delirious after getting hit on the head and knocked out from the window crashing in. Some of the MGM executives even wanted to cut out Somewhere Over the Rainbow. They felt that it slowed down the film and it didn't make sense. And thankfully, that didn't happen. Arthur Freed made sure the execs understood that Over the Rainbow was a vital scene and had to remain in the film. Freed said he would quit if the scene was cut, and now almost all musicals follow a similar template set by The Wizard of Oz, and it was the anthem for Judy Garland's entire career. Initially, when the film was released, it didn't make a profit. Part of this was due to the disproportionate amount of kids seeing the film. This meant a cheaper ticket compared to an adult ticket. It was also a tumultuous time in history, because Adolf Hitler invaded Poland, which caused World War II, not long after the release of this film. This also meant that the international market ticket sales were greatly affected. So, like a lot of early films that were underappreciated early on, The Wizard of Oz, much like It's a Wonderful Life, found a whole new generation of fans due to the advent of television when it was first aired in 1956. It then became a staple to see the film on television during the holiday season. The film became like an annual holiday tradition starting in 1959. Today, you can't fathom waiting all year to see one film, but that's really how it was. It truly was a big event to see this film on television, on network TV. Cable wasn't really around for another 20 years. It was almost like the Super Bowl of its era. Okay, let's sort of get into the film. So even though I'm not going to go through the plot, I will give you some of my thoughts based on my most recent viewing of the film. So first, black and white to color, 
groundbreaking, just a really brilliant move. The jarring effect of when Dorothy arrives in Oz is unlike anything a film fan had seen to that point in history. Here's what's interesting and becomes a question I have later from my guests. It's never explained what happened to Dorothy's parents. She lives with her aunt and uncle. I think the beginning is great because it foreshadows everything in Oz, especially the three male characters, Miss Gulch, obviously, and the traveling fortune teller. For me, the best part of the somewhere over the rainbow scene is Toto. Watch the dog attempting to shake hands with Judy Garland as she sings. Because of this movie, early on, I learned that people that are unkind to animals are likely horrible people. Hence, Miss Gulch and her wanting to put Toto to sleep. The special effects for the tornado scenes are still stunning to watch today. It's truly terrifying along with the sound effects. I think it's a gold standard for storm scenes. I love that the Good Witch had a great snarky sense of humor. Like the, uh, oh, the smell of sulfur after the Wicked Witch first departs. Or, did you bring your broom with you? When Dorothy asks where the Wizard of Oz is. Again, the makeup is really stunning, even by today's standards, for all the characters. The Scarecrow, Tin Man, Lion, Wicked Witch, all of them. I think the line, uh, some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. I think that's a prerequisite for social media. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. I love how the cowardly lion's tail was constantly wagging. Since one of my favorite characters, actually my favorite character is the Wicked Witch, uh, here are some great clips featuring Margaret Hamilton as the Wicked Witch. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. Aha! <laughs> so, you won't take warning, eh? All the worse for you. I'll take care of you now, instead of later. Ah. When I gain those ruby slippers, my power will be the greatest in Oz.
which is more than you will. Rat you and your dog. You've been more trouble to me than you're worth, one way and another. But it'll soon be over now. You see that? That's how much longer you've got to be alive. And it isn't long, my pretty. It isn't long. I can't wait forever to get those shoes. I wouldn't hear of it. Why, my little party's just beginning. Trapped. Trapped like mice. Rats. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Don't hurt them right away. We'll let them think about it a little first. <laughs> I think the most underrated character, the flying monkeys. And special effects wise, this is really an amazing shot of seeing the monkeys fly in. And you know it wasn't CGI, so these were real people being flown, and it looks seamless even today. I think this film might be the first version of skywriting, like when the Wicked Witch writes, Surrender, Dorothy. The original line was supposed to be, Surrender, Dorothy, or die. <laughs> that would have been great. It was also signed WWW, which is Wicked Witch of the West. I think the lion jumping through the window at the Emerald Palace is great. Also, I can remember the TV commercials cuts on the uh, original VHS copy that we had. One of the greatest lines in movie history, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. I still use that from time to time. Actually, it's a type of film that even if you haven't really watched it, there are so many classic scenes and lines from this film. They're just part of the culture. Like, there's no place like home. 
I have a feeling that we're not in Kansas anymore. Follow the yellow brick road. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. You know, some say it's a perfect film. I can't argue with it. It truly deserves the classic label. I can't believe I never thought about this before, but this is what happens when you kind of critically look at a film. Did Miss Gulch, who of course was the Wicked Witch, did she get killed by the tornado? I re- again, I really didn't think about it until recently. Now I'm going to say yes, and I think they took the remains of her home and built Toto a doghouse. I think that's pure justice. All right, now I have a list of questions that next episode you're going to get all of the fans who love The Wizard of Oz and, and past guests of Damn Good Movie Memories. I'm going to ask them, but I'm going to go through my answers now. So the first time I saw the film, I was probably five or six on television. It was one of the first things I remember my mom taped off TV after getting uh, the first family VCR back in, I want to say, 84. All right, my favorite character, um, Toto, probably, (laughs) but it's the cutest dog ever. Uh, But for real, it's got to be the Wicked Witch. Margaret Hamilton is perfect. What a laugh. She deserved an Oscar. I think of the three traveling companions, I go with the Scarecrow. His character, to me, is vital because he's the first of the fantasy gang that goes along with Dorothy. If he fell flat, no pun intended, the rest of the characters might have as well. He just knocks out of the park immediately, and Ray Bolger is just perfect with his rubber-like movements. Favorite song? I would have to say The Scarecrow, if I only had a brain. Honorable mention, the guards chanting, O-E-O, at the Wicked Witch Castle, of course, used by Metallica uh, on their Injustice for All album. My least favorite song, I'd say it's the Good Witch song, which comes prior to the Ding Dong, The Wicked Witch is Dead. My favorite scene, it's when The Wicked Witch first arrives. Also, the apple trees that toss apples at Scarecrow and Dorothy, I love that scene too. Did I ever read the book? No, I did not, and uh, maybe someday. Do I like any of the remakes? I would say The Wiz is okay. Uh, I remember my sister enjoyed Return to Oz with Fariza Balk growing up, but... uh, yeah, I never really saw any of the remakes except for The Wiz. Is there a scene or character I would change? I think Uncle Henry was a dud. And I think uh, Uncle Henry and Aunt M uh, really gave up Toto way too easily. And part of me thinks that the Wicked Witch could have been used even more. Uh, but maybe the reason she stands out so much is because she isn't used constantly. So she makes the use of her time uh, the best she could. Have I ever played Dark Side of the Moon to the film, which, of course, is the classic Pink Floyd album? Yes, I did this in high school. We got bored, though, and stopped. But if you're curious, here is what some believe is the connection between the famous Pink Floyd album and the film. So there's a line called Balanced on the Biggest Wave, which comes uh, as Dorothy balances on the fence. The song On the Run starts as Dorothy falls off the fence. Uh, The song The Great Gig in the Sky begins when the tornado first appears. The song Us and Them is played when Dorothy meets the Wicked Witch of the West. The line Black and Blue is repeated when they're talking uh, to one another, Dorothy in her blue outfit and the Wicked Witch in black. Uh, The line The Lunatic is on the grass coincides with Dorothy meeting the Scarecrow. When we first see Miss Gulch on her bicycle, the song Time starts with its bells and alarms. Dorothy asks Professor Marvel what else he sees in his crystal ball as the line Thought I'd Have Something More to Say comes along in the song Time. As the Scarecrow sings, If I Only Had a Brain, Pink Floyd sings Brain Damage. Side one of the original vinyl album up to the end of The Great Gig in the Sky is exactly as long as the black and white portion of the film, which is 19 minutes and 3 seconds to be exact. As Dorothy listens to the Tin Man's Chest, the album ends with the famous heartbeat sound effect. 
So again, there's a lot going on here. Pink Floyd, to their credit, said that it's all rubbish. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't sync up. But the fact that someone had enough time and or drugs to do this and put and sync it up is pretty amazing. All right, some fun facts. The film was nominated for six Oscars. It won three. It won Best Original Score, Best Original Song for Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and Judy Garland won an Academy of Juvenile Award, which is no longer an award. But the film lost Best Picture to Gone with the Wind. Victor Fleming also won Best Director, but not for With the Wizard of Oz. He won it for Gone with the Wind. When we first see Dorothy open the door from her flying house in Munchkinland, black and white to color, it's actually a sleight of hand effect. What was done was that a double for Judy Garland was dressed in a black and white type of dress, and the door and set were painted the same. Once the door is open, you then see color, and Garland's double goes out of frame and hands Toto to Garland, and then we see her in the real color dress, which appears in the frame. The scene wasn't shot in black and white. It was all a costume effect, but you can't tell at all. It's so well done. The original book did not have Toto being taken away by Miss Gulch. The tornado simply took Dorothy to Oz. Also, Dorothy's magical shoes were silver, not red. Part of the reason for the ruby slippers? They stood out better on screen. While Billy Burke, who played Glenda, the Good Witch, has one of the most distinguishable voices in film history, similar to actress Carol Kane, Fanny Bryce was the original choice for the role. Bryce was known for playing Baby Snooks in other Broadway plays. And if you didn't know, Barbara Streisand portrayed her in Funny Girl and Funny Lady. All of the voices of the Munchkins were sped up on a sound machine in order to give the distinct voices of the Munchkins. The reverse was done for the Witch's Guard's chants, as the OEO was slowed down to give more of a demonic sound. There's an infamous rumor that an extra or a Munchkin hang themselves in the background during the talking apple tree scene. This is completely false. The supposed body that some believe that they're seeing, they're actually birds. The voice of the woman who sings Where Art Thou, Romeo, during the Tin Man song, If I Only Had a Heart, is the same actress who voiced Disney's Snow White two years prior. So the lean from side to side dance that Jack Haley performs as the Tin Man is actually an old vaudeville trick where his feet are literally locked down so that the body can move from side to side and not tip over. In the original book, the Tin Man came to be made of tin due to the original spell put on by the Wicked Witch of the East. Each time, the spell would cause the Tin Man's axe to chop off a limb from his body. And because nothing actually dies in the Land of Oz, each body part was replaced by tin. So Margaret Hamilton's long fingernails were in fact not prosthetic nails, because those didn't exist yet. They were actually film negatives that were cut and painted green and glued to her fingers. Judy Garland actually found it difficult to be afraid of Margaret Hamilton because she was such a nice lady off camera. So Judy Garland had to wear a very painful corset-style device around her torso so that she would appear younger and flat-chested because at the time she was 16 years old and she was supposed to be playing a pre-adolescent child. When the film proved to be popular with audiences, MGM considered reuniting the original cast for a sequel. Plans really never got past the development stage because Judy Garland became a major star and she didn't need to do a sequel. Also, Margaret Hamilton expressed hesitation about reprising her role, feeling that the character of the Wicked Witch was already too scary for children. Also, there was extreme budget overruns and production delays that MGM encountered, making the original film, which deterred the studio from moving forward with an official sequel. So Judy Garland's daughter, if you didn't know, is Liza Minnelli, and she was married to Jack Haley's son, Jack Haley Jr., from 1974 to 1979. So the original ending of the film called for the final shot to be the camera panning down to reveal Dorothy was still wearing the ruby slippers. But then the studio believed that the audiences were too sophisticated for that. In the books, Oz is a real place as opposed to a dream. 
One of Judy Garland's biggest disappointments after the completion of the film was that she was not able to buy Toto from the trainer. Garland had grown incredibly attached to the dog and was heartbroken that she would no longer be able to be around Toto. But the trainer of Terry the dog realized how much cash she could bring in and just wouldn't sell the dog. All right, I do have an adaptation featuring Judy Garland from 1950. It was actually on Christmas Day of 1950 from the Lux Radio Theater. So I will play that, which should be very fun to hear a radio adaptation of The Great Wizard of Oz. And then next week, it's going to be part two. We're going to cover everything about The Wizard of Oz, those 10 questions that I asked myself. I'm going to ask a number of guests. I believe it's nine guests. And we're going to talk, and then we're going to get their thoughts about The Wizard of Oz. And so it'll be kind of like a, a... throwback to what I used to do on this show for the first 100 or so episodes where I interview a bunch of people about either a subject or a specific thing instead of just one or two people. So that'll be fun. So check that out for episode 301. But I hope you enjoy the Lux Radio Theater broadcast, and I'll be back next week with part two of my Wizard of Oz episodes. Lux presents Hollywood. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, bring you the Lux Radio Theater, starring Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Holiday greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. I trust you've all had a perfect Christmas. Wonderful presents, uh, too much dinner and lots of merry company. But sometime during the day, I'm sure you've said, Christmas really belongs to the children. And so, before they have to leave their toys and cowboy suits, we want to tell them a story. And you'll want to listen, too, because it's The Wizard of Oz, one of those wonderful Oz books that we've all loved since they were written by L. Frank Baum 50 years ago. Metro-Golden-Mare turned The Wizard of Oz into a screen classic and a lovely little singer into a star, one of the most talented stars of Hollywood, Judy Garland. Audiences have asked that to be brought back again and again to be entranced by Judy's performance and those fascinating Oz characters, the scarecrow, the tin woodsman, the cowardly lion, and the delightful little people, the munchkins. Now it's off to The Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland as Dorothy. This is the story of a girl named Dorothy, who lives with her aunt and uncle on a farm way out in Kansas. Her dearest friend is her dog, Toto. But Dorothy has other friends, too. The farmhands, for instance. Zeke and honk and hickory. Hey, what's your hurry, honey? What's wrong? It's Toto, Hickory. Toto. Toto? Something wrong with that dog? Well, he looks fine to me. Well, he he is, Zeke, but he almost wasn't. Miss Gulch hit him just because he gets in her garden and chases her nasty old cat. Oh, sure, honey, sure. Only we're busy, see? I got them hogs to get in. Now, look, Dorothy, you just ain't using your head about that mean old Miss Gulch. You'd think you didn't have a brain at all. Hunk. I have so got brains. Well, use a man. When you're walking home with Toto, just keep away from Miss Gulch's place. Your head ain't made of straw, you know. Gosh, Dorothy, that Miss Gulch ain't nobody to be afraid of. Have a little courage, that's all. Courage, Mr. 
Dixie? Why, sure. You know, like, like me. Well, look who's talking. You, courage. There ain't a man in the county who scares easy than you. Well, well, uh, that's a fine thing to say. Look out, Zeke. That pig's gonna bite you. Where? What pig? Help, help! <laughs> you see what I mean? <laughs> now, cut that out. Scaring a man half to death like that. Here now, here. What's all this jabber weapon when there's work to be done? It's about Toto, Eddie M. Miss Gulf says she's going to go and get the sheriff and then... Uh, I she's... thought you and Hickory were supposed to be fixing that wagon. Oh, we are, Miss Gale. Hand me that ranch, Hickory. And feed them hogs, Zeke, before they worry themselves into anemia. Yes, ma'am. Now then, child, what's your trouble? Eddie M., really, do you know what Miss Gulf said she was going to do to Toto? She said she was going to... There go... you go again imagining things. You know, you always get yourself into a fret over nothing. Oh, but this time... Now, you just help us all out this afternoon. Find yourself a place where you won't get into any trouble. I gotta get back in the house. Yes, Auntie Em. Come on, Toto. Do you suppose there is such a place, Toto? Where there isn't any trouble? There must be. Not a place you can get to by a boat or a train, but it's far, far away, behind the moon, beyond the rain. Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high, there's a land that I heard. That you dare to dream really do come true. Someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me. Where troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops. That's where.
Hold on a second, Miss Gosh. Surely you don't mean that. Why, that little that dog... That dog's a just... menace to the community. I'm taking that animal to the sheriff and make sure he's destroyed. Destroyed? Oh, no, no, please. You mustn't... Sarah, honey, we didn't know you were there. Toto didn't know he was doing anything wrong. I'm the one who ought to be punished, Uncle Henry. I let him go in her garden. There's a law protecting folks against animals like that. No, no, please. Well, we can't go against the law, Dorothy. Now you're being smart. Give him to me. No, I won't let you take him. I won't. You're a witch, a wicked old witch. Dorothy. Oh, please, Annie. M, please. Oh, I got him at last. And there's nothing any of you can do about it. Toto! Toto! Come on, Dorothy. Cheer up, honey. Please, honey. I don't feel like talking. Not to anybody. Not even to Toto? Oh, you know he's gone. You know Miss Gulch took him away. I know something else, too, honey. Toto must have jumped out of her basket and run back home because there's a little brown and white dog looking all over for you. Oh, oh Toto. Toto, you're back. Toto, Toto. You came back to me, Toto. Oh, I thought you were dead. I, I... They'll be coming after you. Miss Gulch and the sheriff, maybe. We've got to run away. Now, Toto, or no one will ever find us or, or, or take you away again. Yes, Toto, we've got to run away. It's getting dark, Toto. I I think maybe there's a storm coming. But we'll just keep going, won't we? We're not afraid. It's it's just like Zeke said. Courage. I see what you mean. A wagon. A horse in a wagon and, and a man. And there's a big sign on the wagon. Wait, I think I can see what it says. Professor Marvel. Acclaimed by the crown heads of Europe. Let him read your past, present, and future in his crystal. Well, who might you be? Uh, I guess it's all right, Toto. He he looks like a nice man. Well, if you're not going to tell me who you are, suppose I tell you. But how can you? <laughs> Professor Marvel knows all tells all. Your past, present, and future for 25 cents, a quarter of a dollar. Uh, two bits, if you prefer. Oh, I'm sorry, but I don't think I can afford it. Oh, so your name's Dorothy, is it? How did you know that? Well, on the one hand, perhaps I saw you in my crystal, and on the other hand, perhaps a fellow named Zeke passed by a while ago looking for you. Oh, I see. Uh, but don't you think for one minute I couldn't have figured it out for myself why Professor Marvel and his magic crystal have amazed royalty and peasantry alike the world over? Oh, please, Professor, can't we go with you and see all the crowned heads of Europe? Oh, do you know any? Uh, oh, uh, you, you, you mean the sign on my wagon? I, I don't suppose you could take just a... A little look in your magic crystal for me. For nothing, I mean. Matter of fact, young lady, I already have. Oh, just practicing, you understand. And you know what I saw? What? A woman. Tears in her eyes. Careworn. A woman looking for someone. And her name is... Uh... Auntie M? Kindly allow me to supply the answers. Her name is Annie M. Someone has almost broken her heart. Me? Well, someone she loved very much. And then just before the crystal went dark, I, I saw her put her hand over her heart and drop, drop down on the floor. Oh, no. No. 
You don't suppose she could really be sick, do you? Oh, I've, I've got to go home right away. Go home? I thought you were going along with me. Oh, but I've got to get to her right away. Toto, come on, Toto, we're going up. Goodbye, Professor, and thank you. Don't waste any time. There's a windstorm blowing up. Oh, poor little kid. Hope she gets home all right. through the sky, barns and buggies, and there goes our chicken roost. Toto, we're caught in a cyclone. We're right up inside the middle of a cyclone. What? But there's old Mr. Gallagher in his rowboat. Mr. Gallagher! Howdy, Miss Dorothy. Kind of breezy, ain't it? And Uncle Henry's heifer. Bossy! Bossy! I, I don't understand this at all. Things are flying around so fast that I can... I can... Look! Miss Gulch! <laughs> now she's on a broomstick. She is a witch. Don't worry, Toto. I won't let her... You stop moving, Toto. We're standing still. Well, we can't stand still up in the middle of the air. We're going to fall. We are falling. We're falling. We're falling. We're But where? Where where are we? It's a regular little village. And look, houses and streets and trees and fountains. Yes, you're quite right. That is our house over there. We must have bounced out when we landed. But what place is this? I have a feeling we're being watched. I have another feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. We must be over the rainbow. Toto, look. There's a big bubble coming down the street, and and there's someone inside it. A lady, and she's stepping out of it. Oh, now I know we're not in Kansas. Tell me, please, are you a good witch or a bad witch? Me? Oh, I'm I'm not a witch at all. I'm Dorothy Gale from Kansas. Oh. Well, I am a little muddled. The munchkins just summoned me because... The, uh, munchkins? You happen to be standing in the very center of their village, you know. And uh, they sent for you? Because some new witch has just dropped a house on the Wicked Witch of the East. See? Over there. Well, but that's our farmhouse from, from Kansas. Now look where I point my wand. <gasps> two red slippers. Exactly. Two red slippers protruding from under the farmhouse. All that's left of the Wicked Witch of the East. And since it's your farmhouse, obviously you're responsible. Oh, you've made the munchkins very happy, my dear. If, uh, if you please, what are munchkins? The little people who live in this land. It's munchkin land, and you are now their national heroine. And who are you? Why, I'm Glinda, of course, the witch of the north. Witch? But you're beautiful. Thank you. You see, only bad witches are ugly, and I'm considered a very good witch. Now, suppose I call the munchkins... Come out wherever 
Munchkins, have you nothing to say to her? Where's the mayor? Oh, there you are. Uh, first of all, Miss Dorothy, a little floral tribute. Oh, what beautiful flowers. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, there will be, of course, a parade and general celebration with a brass band and a regiment of cavalry. Meanwhile, oh, let the joyous news be spread. The wicked old witch at last is dead. <laughs> pretty i can cause accidents too aren't you forgetting the ruby slippers the slippers my sister's slippers there they are still on her feet over there well i'll just take them just a moment if you please ruby slippers slippers red leave the feet of she who's dead i summon my authority and bid you serve miss dorothy the slippers what are you doing to them now they're on my feet you give them back to me never there they are, and there they'll stay. You nasty little girl. They're of no use to you. Don't be frightened of a Dorothy. You stay out of this, Glinder. I'll fix you as well. Rubbish. You have no power here. Be gone before somebody drops a house on you, too. Very well. I'll bide my time. As for you, my fine lady... You heard what she said. Be gone. I'll get you yet, my pretty. And your little dog, too. <laughs> Away, broomstick! Away! It's all right, munchkins. Don't hide your faces. She's gone. Now then, my dear, the sooner you get out of Oz, the safer you'll sleep. Oh, I'd give anything to get out of Oz. But how? Which is the way back to Kansas? Kansas? The only person who might know would be the great and wonderful Wizard of Oz himself. The Wizard of Oz? Is he good or is he wicked? Oh, very good, but very mysterious. He lives far off in the Emerald City. Uh, did you by any chance bring your broomstick with you? Uh, no, I'm afraid I didn't. Well, then you'll have to walk. The munchkins will see you safely to the border. And remember, never let those ruby slippers off your feet, or you'll be at the mercy of the wicked witch of the West. But, but how do I start for the Emerald City? All you have to do is follow that yellow brick road. Help her, munchkins. The yellow brick road. Helpers, attention. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road. We're off to see the 
wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is a wizard, a whiz, if ever a whiz there was. If ever, oh, ever a whiz there was, the wizard of Oz is one because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. In a few moments, we'll bring you Act Two of The Wizard of Oz. And now, here is our Hollywood reporter, Libby Collins, to give us the Lux Radio Theater's movie news of the week. Tonight, John, it's the new Howard Hughes production, Vendetta, starring a lovely newcomer to Hollywood. She's Faith Demerg, and she's been given just the role her dark, exotic beauty calls for. This RKO picture tells the story of a family feud in old-time Corsica, and Faith plays the girl who vows to avenge her father's murder. Quite an intense melodrama, Libby. Isn't that a terrific set they built for the dueling scene? Oh, yes, indeed. No California landscape could quite convey the bleakness of that wild Corsican country. So they built the whole thing on a soundstage. Faith Domerg is photographed in dark costumes throughout. Of course, they set off her startling beauty all the more. There's a highly dramatic, uh, exciting quality about her acting, too. Well, she's quite a perfectionist, you know. Spent years of study before attempting her first screen role. And, John, Faith Demerig is a perfectionist about beauty, too. Naturally, her skin has to look soft and smooth in the close-ups. That's why she depends on daily facials with Lux Toilet Soap. She says it's a care that really works. Lux Soap is just right to protect delicate skin, Libby. No wonder so many famous stars say they wouldn't be without this gentle soap. Yes, John. Active lather does wonders for the skin. It's so easy to take a Lux Soap facial, too. You just smooth the rich lather well in, rinse with warm water, follow with a quick cold rinse, and pat with a soft towel to dry. It works like a charm to give your complexion quick new beauty. Yes, Libby, that's a tip for smart women everywhere. For thorough, protecting care, there's nothing finer than Lux Toilet Soap. When you see Faith Domergue in Howard Hughes' exciting new picture, Vendetta, notice the smooth perfection of her skin. You'll want to try her daily active lather facials. So why not get Hollywood's own beauty soap tomorrow? Remember, nine out of ten screen stars use fragrant white Lux toilet soap. Now, Mr. William Keeley, our producer. Act two of The Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland as Dorothy. With the magic slippers on her feet, her dog Toto at her heels, and the little munchkins marching on ahead, Dorothy is on her way to the Wizard of Oz. They've reached the border of Munchkinland, and the little people have waved goodbye and disappeared. Well, Toto, now what? We're still on the yellow brick road, but now it goes in two different directions. Which way do we go? Pardon me, but that way's a very nice way. Who, Who said that? Oh, don't be silly, Toto. That's just a scarecrow in the cornfield. Scarecrows don't talk. On the other hand, that way is very pleasant also. Why, he did talk. Is there anything so unusual about that? Well, yes, there is. And why do you shake your head? I mean, both yes and no at the same time. Oh, that's my trouble. I never can make up my mind about anything. <laughs> oh? 
The fact is, I haven't got a brain. Take a look at my head, you see? It's straw. Just straw like the rest of me. But how can you talk if you don't have a brain? Oh, some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. <laughs> don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. Oh, what's he doing, your dog? Toto, why, he's licking your hand. Oh, that's what I thought. I, I guess I don't scare him, huh? <laughs> no, of course not. And I can't even scare a crow. They come from miles around. They pick off my straw for their nests. It's not at all flattering. <laughs> I'm, I'm a failure just because I haven't got a brain. Well, what would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could... I could while away the hours Conferring with the flowers Consulting with the rain And my head I'd be scratching While my thoughts were busy hatching If I only had a brain I'd unravel every riddle For any individual In trouble or in pain with the thoughts you'd be thinking you could be another Lincoln if you only had a brain. Oh, I could tell you why the ocean's near the shore. I could think of things I never thought before. And then I'd sit and think some more. I would not be just a nothing, my head all full of stuffing, my heart all full of pain. And perhaps I'd deserve you and be even worthier of you if I only had a brain. Wonderful. Just imagine a scarecrow singing and dancing. Why, if our scarecrow back in Kansas could do that... What's Kansas? Well, that's where Toto and I come from. And I want to get back there so badly that I'm going all the way to the Emerald City to get the Wizard of Oz to help me. A wizard? Do you think if I went along, he could give me some brains, maybe? Oh, I think you'd better stay here. I've got a witch mad at me, and you might get into trouble. Oh, but I'm not afraid of a witch. I'm not afraid of anything. Oh, except maybe a lighted match. Well, <laughs> since you're made out of straw, I can hardly blame you for that. Oh, won't you take me with you, please? Of course I will. Gladly. Oh, Ray, I'm going to leave the cornfield. And see a wizard, I hope. <laughs> what are we waiting for? <laughs> We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is a wizard of wizard. Scarecrow? Huh? Do you see what I see? Well, not knowing what you see, how can I say that what I see is what you... Wait a minute. Look, over there. That's just what I mean at the edge of the forest. It's a man. A man made out of tin and holding an axe. Come on, Dorothy. Be careful, please. You too, Tony. Look, look here. Here on the grass. An oil can. Oil can! Did you say something? Oh, no. He did. He said oil can. He wants me to oil him. My mouth. He said his mouth. All right, just a minute now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, joy. Oh, bless. I can talk again. I can talk. Oh, oh my arms, please. My elbows. 
Oh, that's wonderful, wonderful. A- am, I, am I doing it right? Oh, yes, yes, what a relief. I've held this axe up for ages. But my goodness, how did you ever get like this in the first place? Oh, well, uh, about a year ago, I was chopping that tree when suddenly it began to rain. I rusted so solid, I haven't been able to move since. Well, you're perfect now. Perfect. Just bang on my chest if you think I'm perfect. Go ahead, bang on it. Beautiful. What an echo. You see? Empty. The tinsmith forgot to give me a heart. No No heart? heart. No heart. Oh. All hollow. And believe me, not having a heart, well, presents problems. When a man's an empty kettle, he should be on his metal, and yet I'm torn apart. Just because I'm presuming that I could be kind of human if I only had a heart. I'd be tender, I'd be gentle, and awful sentimental regarding love and art. I'd be friends with the sparrows and the boy that shoots the arrows if I only had a heart. Picture me a balcony above, a voice sings low, wherefore art thou, Romeo? I hear a beat. How sweet just to register emotion, jealousy, devotion, and really feel the part. I'd stay young and chipper, and I'd lock it with a zipper if I only had a heart. Well, I certainly see what you mean. You were whispering, you and him, while I was singing. Well, we were just wondering if you'd care to go with us to the Emerald City. Then you could ask the Wizard of Oz for a heart. But suppose he wouldn't give me one when we got there. Oh, but he will. He must. We've come such a long way already. Ah, you call that long, my pretty? Why, you've just begun. <laughs> Who's that? Who's laughing? The witch, the wicked witch. Well, my two fine gentlemen, helping the little lady along, are you? Well, stay away from her. Oh, oh yeah? I'll stuff a mattress with you, you straw man. And you... I'll use that tin carcass for a beehive. <laughs> Gosh, what a witch. Want to play ball, Scarecrow? Well, here, catch. No, no, look out, it's a ball of fire. Fire, no, no, no. <laughs> Stand still, stand still. I'll stamp out the fire with my ten feet. There. You can move now. Oh, much obliged, Tin Woodsman. Oh, yes, we both are. But I'm still not afraid of her. I'll see that you get safely to the wizard now, whether I get a brain or not. Stuff a mattress with me. Ha! Mm. And I'll see that you reach the wizard whether I get a heart or not. Oh, you're the best friends anybody ever had. And it's funny, but I feel as if I'd known you all the time. You're just like Hunk and, and, and Hickory. But I, I couldn't have known you, could I? I certainly don't see how. Uh, I guess it doesn't really matter... We know each other now, all right. That's right. We do. (laughs) Then to Oz. To Oz. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is a wizard of a wizard. Uh, Does anybody happen to know where we are? Uh, That's easy. We're in a forest. 
And I don't like it. It's so dark and, and creepy. Toto, Toto, come back. Stay on the path. He sees something behind that bush. And so do I. I think I do, too. It's a lion. A lion. He's coming this way. Stay where you are. Uh... Put him up. Put up your fists. Uh... I'll fight you with one paw tied behind my back. I'll fight you standing on one foot. Stand up and fight. Ah, I'll swallow you first, you little peewee dog. Shame on you. You let that little dog alone. Let him alone. <laughs> no. Why did you have to slap me for? <laughs> I didn't bite him. <laughs> Look, the lion, he's crying. Well, you tried to bite him. Well, you didn't have to go and hit me, did you? <laughs> Is my nose bleeding? Oh, of course not. My goodness, you're nothing but a great big coward. <laughs> you're right, I'm a coward. I haven't any courage at all. <laughs> you suppose the wizard would help him, too? I don't see why not. Why don't you come with us, Lion? We're on our way to see the Wizard of Oz and get the Tin Woodsman a heart. And him a brain. And I'm sure he could give you some courage. <laughs> well, wouldn't you feel degraded to be seen in the company of a cowardly lion? <laughs> I would. <laughs> no, of course not. Here, you, you better take my handkerchief. Thank you. <laughs> You've been so nice to me. Now, please stop crying. I'll try. But, but how did you get this way in the first place, Lion? Well, if you can spare the time, it, it was like this. Yes, it's sad, believe me, Missy, when you're born to be a sissy without the vim and verb. But I could show my prowess, be a lion, not a mouse, if I only had the nerve. I'm afraid there's no denying, I'm just a dandelion, a fate I don't deserve. I'd be brave as a blizzard. I'd be gentle as a lizard. I'd be clever as a gizzard. If the wizard is a wizard who will serve, then I'm sure to get a brain, a heart, a home, the nerve. Then let's be on our way without any more delay. That's just what I was going to say. <laughs> hip, hip, We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is a wizard of Oz. Little do they know, I too was hiding in the forest. I'll still get those ruby slippers, and then my power will be the greatest in Oz. And woe to those who try to stop me! I fall, broomstick, away! Look, everybody, look! Emerald City, oh, at last, at last! Emerald City, eh? Gosh. It's all green. And with turrets and towers, and look how big it is. But how 
do we get in? This wall goes all around everything. It most certainly does. Look at the top of the wall. Oh, who are you? That's my question. Who are you? Well, if you'll let us in, we'll be glad to tell you. Let you in, huh? Well, you look harmless enough. Open the gates of Emerald City. <laughs> We can go in. The gates are opening. Well, that's the general idea of gates, isn't it? <laughs> Kindly step forward and state your business. Uh, we want to see the wizard, please. Uh, the, 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 the wizard? Oh, but nobody can see the great Oz. Nobody's ever seen the great Oz. Even I have never seen him. Oh, please. The good witch of the north sent me here. Prove it. She's wearing the ruby slippers she gave me, you see? Well, bust my buttons. So she is. Then you'll take us to the wizard? There you go again. Wizard. Uh, well, uh, well, yeah, of course, uh, wizard. Uh, meanwhile, you'd all better wait. I beg your pardon, sir. Well, well, what is it now? Good grief, man, can't you? I you want to sir, in the public square. Uh, who, who wants The me? entire population of Emerald City. There's something going on, sir, and I don't like the looks of it. No, no, no. What's everyone so excited about? Don't you see? I'm there in the sky. Huh? Well, that's quite a trick, isn't it? Dorothy, it's skywriting. Letters of black smoke all across the sky. Well, what does it say? It's the Wicked Witch. It says, it says, surrender, Dorothy. <laughs> Dorothy? Dorothy! <laughs> the wizard will explain it to the wizard. Here, here, here. Nobody's going to bother the wizard now. The great and powerful Oz has the situation well in hand, I hope, so you can all go home. Go on, scatter. You draw flies. But if you please, sir, we want to see the wizard right away. Certainly not. Not nobody, not know how. But she's Dorothy. The witch is Dorothy? Nope, not even you. Oh, please. Please, it's the, it's the only way I'll ever be able to get home. Not nobody, not know how. Annie M was so good to me, and I never appreciated it. Running away, hurting her feelings. What's that? Professor Marvel said she was sick. She may be dying. It's all my fault. <laughs> I'll get you to the wizard somehow. <laughs> He's crying, too. Oh, you see, I, I had an Aunt M once myself. Oh, this is all highly irregular, but just follow me. Gosh, he just left us in this chamber. It's so dark and echoey, huh? He said the wizard would be waiting for us. <laughs> I'm closing my eyes. Just... Tell me when it's all over. <laughs> Silence! Who was that? I am Bob, the great and powerful. But we, we can't see anybody. Silence! You shall never see me. But if you please, we, we must tell you something. Nobody ever tells me anything. I know everything. You, your little girl who wants to go home. And you, Tinman? Yes, Your Honor. Clinking and clattering for the heart. And you? Me, your wizardry? A billowing bear of both me breakfast food, 
Wake up, the wizard will be awfully mad. Oh, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Frightening the poor cowardly lion like that when he came to you for help. Silence! The Beneficent Oz has every intention of granting your request, but you must first prove worthy. Oh, we will. We'll do anything. Very well. Bring me the broomstick on the wicked witch of the west. Oh, but, but if we do that, why, we'll have to kill her to get it. Bring me her broomstick and I'll grant you. Well, what if she kills us first? <laughs> Lion! Leave the great gate of Emerald City. Follow the arrow bar of the forest. And head to the witch's castle. Now go! Go! And return if you can. The haunted forest? The witch's castle? Well, I... I guess there's nothing else to do but go. That's the spirit, Dorothy. Come on, lion. We're not afraid. We'll get that old broomstick. (laughs) (laughs) And they think I don't know about it. They think they'll take me by surprise. Ah, at last I'll have them in my power. The little girl, her nasty dog, and the magic ruby slippers. (laughs) In just a few moments, we'll bring you Act Three of The Wizard of Oz. I particularly want you to meet our guest for tonight, uh, Paula Stone, writer-producer for MGM Radio Attractions. She'll bring us news of the world premiere in Hollywood last Wednesday of Metro-Golden-Mare's great picture, The Magnificent Yankee. As commentator at the premiere, you interviewed the many stars who attended, didn't you, Paula? Yes, I did, Mr. Keeley. It was one of the most thrilling evenings I've experienced. Over a hundred stars were there. To cheer for Louis Calhoun and Anne Harding, of course. Oh, yes. Everyone was so enthusiastic about the picture. And the superb performance turned in by Louis Calhern as Justice Holmes and Anne Harding as his devoted wife. There's a picture as rousing as a brass band. The distinguished career of one of our greatest men is presented in the authentic atmosphere of our nation's capital. Why, you actually feel the march of stirring events. It's an exciting treatment of our recent history, but it's also a beautiful love story. Yes, indeed. The deep attachment of Justice Holmes for his wife is something to warm the heart. Anne Harding brings dignity and beauty to her role in The Magnificent Yankee. And she's completely charming and very lovely, too. Of course, as you might expect, like so many famous stars I interview from time to time, she gives credit to Lux Care for her skin and just keeping it right for the cameras. Well, after all, Miss Stone, it's Hollywood's own beauty soap, you know. Oh, yes, Mr. Kennedy. And Lux soap in the big bath size is just as popular. I know I wouldn't be without it. There's nothing more luxurious after a busy day than a refreshing Lux soap bath. There's something special about the lather. Rich and creamy, even in hardest water. Yes, it leaves skin really fresh. Fragrant, too, with a nice, delicate perfume. No wonder screen stars prefer this satin-smooth bath cake. Thank you, Miss Paula Stone, for being here tonight. Now, here's a shopping hint for the ladies in our audience. Get the generous bath-size Lux Toilet Soap tomorrow. Enjoy 
its luxurious lather and delightful perfume. You'll discover why screen stars say it makes you sure of all over Lux loveliness. Nine out of ten famous Hollywood stars use fragrant white Lux toilet soap. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Curtain rises on Act Three of The Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland as Dorothy. Well, if Dorothy is ever to get back home to Kansas... And if I'm ever to have a brain... And me a heart... And me courage... Then Dorothy must first get the broomstick of the Wicked Witch and bring it back to The Wizard of Oz. But if the wizard knows everything... The Wicked Witch, unfortunately, knows quite a lot herself. Now, in her bleak and dismal castle, she gloats over a newly captured prisoner. (laughs) Excuse me for laughing, but it was so easy to capture you that I can't help it. At least my friends got away. Toto, too. What do I care about them? It's you I wanted. You and the magic ruby slippers. I had every warrior slave in this castle on the watch for you. Now give me those slippers. No, no. The good witch Glinda told me not to. Fool that I am. I should know the slippers will never come off as long as you're alive. You... you mean... Ah! Now, how shall I do it? I think I'll make up a special batch of poison. Yes, that ought to do it. Some nice, fresh poison. <laughs> Look, it's Dorothy's dog. We're goners now, all right. He'll lead the witch's soldiers right here to our hiding place. No, no, he's come to take us to Dorothy, up there in the castle. We can't fail her now, we can't. I'll go. Witch or no witch, I'll tear him apart. I'll knock him cold. I may not come out alive, but I'm going in there. Oh, Lion, that's wonderful. There's only one thing I want you fellas to do. What's that? Talk me out of it. Oh, no, you don't. Come what may, we're going to rescue Dorothy. All right, Toto, show us the way. This is the room. Toto sniffed her out. Dorothy? Who, who is it? It's us. We've come to save you. Open the door. I can't. She's locked me in here. Tin Man, your axe chopped down the door. But that'll make a noise, and the guards... Who cares about the guards? We'll save you, Dorothy. We'll save you. She'll be back any minute. Hurry, please. Here goes the door. Stand back, Dorothy. Oh, I knew you'd come. I knew it. And Toto, Toto... We'll have you out of this castle before you can say Jack Grub. The witch, the wicked witch. I'm burning, I'm burning. I'll help you. This bucket of water. Here, here. No, 
No! Put down that water! Oh, oh thank you, Dorothy. Thank you. Oh, you cursed brat! You've killed me! You've killed me! Nonsense! I, I just happened oh. to splash some water on you, too. Oh. Look! The witch! She's melting! Oh, what a world! What a world! Who would have thought that a good little girl like you could destroy my beautiful wickedness? I'm going. I'm going fast. Oh. She is gone. Look, nothing but a little steaming puddle. She dead. You've killed the wicked witch. But I didn't mean to kill her. I, I didn't know that water was... You don't understand. Now we're all free. She enslaved us. But now her spell over all of us is broken. Hey! All hail to Dorothy. The wicked witch is dead. Thank you, and if you don't mind, may I please have her broom? Here, take it with you. Now we can go back to the wizard. And tell him the wicked witch is dead. Onward to Emerald City. She's gone where the goblins go. I still can't believe my eyes. You've come back. Back to Emerald City. And we did exactly what the great Oz told us to do. Here, here's the witch's broomstick. And now, if you don't mind taking us to the wizard... You we... see, he promised us... Uh, you know, you know, promised to all your broomstick. <laughs> what an unhappy situation. Unhappy? After all, we've gone oh, through... Oh, I'm glad there's no one else around to hear this. Hear what? Oh, little girl, there is no great and powerful wizard of Oz. That is, I am the wizard. But... He spoke to us himself. I spoke to you. Oh, it was no great trick, a dark room, a few smoke powders. Your, your own imaginations did the rest. Why, you... you humbug. Exactly. Oh, you're a very bad man. Oh, no, my dear. I'm just a very bad wizard. <laughs> what about the heart you promised Tin Man? And Scarecrow's brain. Well, anybody can have a brain. That's a very mediocre commodity. Well, I don't have one. Then listen a moment. Back where I come from, we have great universities where men go to become deep thinkers. And when they come out, they know how to think just fine and with no more brains than you have. What? But they have one thing you haven't got, a diploma. Therefore, by virtue of the authority in me vested by the Universitatis Committee, um, I hereby confer upon you the honorary degree of T.H.D. T.H.D.? Doctor of Thinkology. Here's your diploma. Oh, oh Scarecrow, how wonderful. But, but what about me? I'm still a coward, I think. Of course not. You are merely under the unfortunate delusion that because you run away from danger, you have no courage. A simple matter of confusing courage with wisdom. <laughs> oh, joy, oh, rapture, I've got a brain. <laughs> Back where I come from, Lion, we have men who are called heroes. Yet they have no more courage than you have. But they do have one thing you haven't got. A medal. Medal? Therefore, for meritorious conduct and conspicuous bravery against wicked witches, I award you the Triple Cross. The Triple Cross? <laughs> oh, shucks. Uh, it was nothing. <laughs> you are now a member of the Legion of Courage. As for you, my galvanized petitioner, you want a heart. You don't know how lucky you are not to have one. 
Hearts will never be practical until they can be made unbreakable. I still want one. Back where I come from, there are men who do nothing but good deeds all day long. And their hearts are no bigger than yours. They're called philanthropists. But they have one thing you haven't got. A testimonial. Testimonial? Therefore, in consideration of your kindness, I present you with this small token of our esteem and affection. A heart. It is a heart. Just remember that a heart is not judged by how much you love, but by how much you are loved. Listen, <laughs> it ticks. My heart even ticks. It... But, but what about Dorothy? You, uh, you still want to go back to Kansas, hmm? Oh, I do. I do. I wish I could help you, child, but I can't. You, you mean I... I'll never get home. But it, it, it's really rather pleasant here once you get to know the place. And we want you to stay, Dorothy. You see, we love you, you and Toto. And I love you, but what am I to do? <laughs> what was that? Look what's coming. A bubble. Who's been blowing bubbles around here? Hey, there's somebody in it. It's Glinda. Glinda the Good Witch. Oh, help me. Help me. But you don't need my help, child. You've always had the power to go back to Kansas. I have. Then why didn't you tell her before? Because she wouldn't have believed me. She had to learn by herself. Have you learned, Dorothy? Well, I... I think that... That it wasn't enough just to want to see Uncle Henry and Auntie M. And it's that if I ever go looking for my heart's desire again, I won't look any further than my own backyard. Because if it isn't there, I never really lost it to begin with. Is that right? That's all it is, my dear. Now your magic slippers will take you home in two seconds. Oh, that's, that's too wonderful to be true. Only it's it's going to be so hard to really say goodbye. I, I love you all so much. Goodbye, Tin Man. Oh, don't cry. You rust so dreadfully. Now I know I have a heart. It's breaking. Goodbye, Lion. Oh, I know it isn't right, but... I'm going to miss the way you used to holler for help before you found your courage. I never would have found it if it hadn't been for you. And Scarecrow, I think I'll miss you most of all. Goodbye, dear friend. Are you ready now? Yes, I'm ready. Say goodbye, Toto. <laughs> Close your eyes and think to yourself, there's no place like home. 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 Dorothy, Dorothy, child, oh, wake up. Please no wake up. No place like home. No place like home. It's Aunt Em, darling. Oh, Henry, look, she's opening her eyes. Oh, Annie Em, 
It is you. Yes, darling. Hello there. Can I come in? I just dropped by because I heard the little girl got caught in the big cyclone. Well, got a I... bad knock in the head, Professor Marvel, but she's coming around now. We, we thought for a minute she was going to leave us. Sure had us worried, Dorothy. <gasps> Why, you remember me, your old pal, Hunk? Oh. And me, Hickory? You couldn't forget my face now, could you? Zeke, I, I must have been dreaming. I, I was in a place far away, and, and you, and you, and you were all there. We were? But you couldn't have been, could you? Oh, we dream lots of silly things, dear, when we're... No, Adam, this was a real, truly live place. And all I kept saying to everybody was, I want to go home. And they sent me home. <laughs> oh, Toto, you believe me, even if nobody else does. Of course we believe you, Dorothy. Oh, well, anyway, Toto, we're home. And this is my room, and, and you're all here... And I'm never going to leave here ever, ever again because I love you all. Oh, Annie M., there's no place like home. Someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me. Where troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops. That's where you... to the Wizard of Oz and congratulations to our lovely star, Judy Garland, and those remarkable characters from the land of Oz. Judy, we can't tell you how much we appreciate your giving up Christmas with your family to appear on the Lux Radio Theater. Oh, thank you, Bill, but I didn't really. You see, I brought my three-year-old, my four-year-old daughter, Liza, <laughs> says three in the script, but she's really four. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I'd like to meet her. I'm afraid you're too late, cowardly lion. Liza fell in love with a scarecrow. He's teaching her to dance. Where is he? Let him put up his fist. I'll fight him with one paw tied behind my back. <laughs> Imagine only three uh, or four years old <laughs> and has two men fighting over her already. Well, that's because she's a Lux girl, Bill, just like her mom. Well, I can see you're bringing her up right, Judy. Now what are you girls going to do? Go home and eat more turkey? Oh, no, positively no more today. But I promised Liza if she was a good girl, I'd take her to the movie tomorrow. Well, why not take her to see Esther Williams in the Pagan Love Song? Metro-Golden-Mare's new musical. Well, that sounds good. Liza loves singing and dancing. Then be sure she listens in next week, because we'll have another holiday special, two of Hollywood's brightest musical comedy stars, Ginger Rogers and George Murphy. And we'll present them in Metro-Golden-Mare's recent musical screen success, The Barclays of Broadway. Oh, well, we won't miss it, Bill. Good night. Good night, Judy. And may your new year be a very happy one.
Who is this Hollywood star? One of three beautiful sisters. She's written a best-selling book on charm. She's the glamorous mother of four lovely daughters. A glamorous mother of four? Uh How about Joan Bennett? Uh Right. And the girls are always as perfectly groomed as Joan herself. Of course, she insists on Lux care for all their washables as well as her own. Everything from dainty party dresses to two-year-old Shelley's gay cotton play clothes. Hollywood stars love gentle Lux because it keeps colors new-looking so much longer. Take a tip from Joan Bennett. Get a big box of Lux flakes tomorrow. Give all the children's Christmas washables that lovely Lux look. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, join me in hoping that you've all had a joyous Christmas. And be sure to join us again next Monday night when we'll present Ginger Rogers and George Murphy in The Barclays of Broadway. This is William Keeley saying goodnight to you from Hollywood. Our play was adapted by S.H. Barnett, and our music was directed by Rudy Schrager. Stay tuned for my friend Irma, which follows over these same... If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video and San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday, and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain Captain Video. Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.